everybody, welcome to one of my end of year videos for 2015. This is gonna be my top 10 disappointing games for the year. I'll do a best of year, of course, and then a couple other different videos that I don't usually do. Definitely check out the best of because I'm gonna be giving away my favorite game of the year, which will come as a surprise probably to no one. Uh, let's just jump in here. Now these are definitely a little bit different from years past. These are not worst games at all. Uh, I can kind of go back and forth, but these are definitely most disappointing games. So kind of leave the bad game thought at the door and come at this as more of a disappointing. I was actually not gonna do this video and a couple people asked me if I was and I said no. And they're like, what, I really like that video. And I do generally get, you know, 90, 5% good feedback on these videos uh, from most people. So I just figured what the heck, let me do it. And these are games worth highlighting because they probably do have some merit for some people. Uh, so definitely check these out if they do sound kind of interesting to you. I've already kind of quote unquote blacklisted these, uh, but let's work up and it's just some thoughtful criticism, which may or may not be meaningful to anybody, but that's what it is. So number 10 is going to be Nevermore. Uh, this is a drafting game, which I didn't have a lot of hopes four because I didn't really have a lot of knowledge of it other than it was a drafting game and I knew that and I enjoyed drafting games generally and just quick sidetrack the level of disappointment is what's going to be at the top here so this one I didn't really have a lot of expectations going into it had a kind of a neat quirky Edgar Allan Poe theme and it was drafting that's all I knew and then we played it and it had a little bit too swingy cards and take that types of cards that just kind of sometimes would pull you out of the game not that I felt like they were unbalanced I think that sometimes happens when I do speak negatively about a game is people don't either I'm not clear or people don't hear I'm not saying they're unbalanced they're just not fun and so they kind of remove you sometimes from being involved in a round and that always irritates me when I just feel like okay I can check my phone now for 10 minutes or what you know so uh, this has some cool interesting mechanisms a kind of a different way of drafting and trying to collect sets as you draft to sort of trigger off different powers and different phases which is really neat but then you have this kind of swingy take that kind of stuff which is kind of you know which bores me a lot so that was number 10 uh, nevermore now number nine is clockwork wars which looked like a game that would look really cool on the surface. It really reminds me of Hyperborea, which I favorably reviewed last year. And it kind of is in that same 4X kind of civilization, not really civilization, but it's kind of a 4X game with different special powers and things. I definitely would recommend Hyperborea over Clockwork Wars. They felt very similar to me in a lot of ways, not necessarily from the mechanics, but just kind of the feel and sort of the progression and pace of the game. But this one just really fell flat with me as opposed to Hyperborea. It seems on the surface like it should be really neat, and maybe there's an expansion or something hidden under there that kind of lights the spark for it, because it kind of generally works mechanically uh, in terms of how the different uh, player powers you get and the different uh, factions you get, and there's this weird kind of anthropomorphic animals and things that kind of take on a so quote-unquote like a race, uh, you know, in the game. So some interesting concepts, but again, it just felt very sort of stagnant and static and flat. Uh, so that was Clockwork Wars. Uh, the number eight one is Rise of the Kage. And I actually did get an email from the publisher, I think, and designer of the game when I disfavorably, or excuse me, unfavorably reviewed it before. And they are definitely working on a cleaner, better rule set for the game. And this is one that I think has potential i've actually held on to the game based on this email and i kind of figured they were working on it you know checking board game geek and some of the other rules problems people had 
was to try this again once they sort of clean up the rule set. And I'm not opposed to doing that. Uh, you know, one game that I really enjoy, uh, Dark Darker Darkest there, saw great improvement with its second edition rules is one of my favorite games of all time now <laughs> so this is a very interesting game on the surface it's sort of a hidden movement kind of game sort of so you, you would think by looking at it it might be kind of like a specter ops of fury of dracula it's not really like that it's sort of like a mashup of that and a game like descent or imperial assault where it's more about sneaking around and getting these different objectives with your ninjas and fighting sort of the overlord type of player who's controlling different guards and samurai. And there's lots of different characters with different special abilities and kind of the problem with the game is sort of the intersection of how all that kind of stuff interacts and there's just lots of holes in the rule book and sort of fundamentally with the game. There is some cool systems for generating missions and all that kind of stuff, so it's not gonna be very static in that way. So I'm pretty excited to see what they'll come up with and see if they can really kind of tweak the game. Is this one of those, you know, a lot of these for me, kind of Monday morning quarterback, but a lot of these for me is like, you know, a couple of development passes would maybe shift it in the direction of me. So that was Rise of the Kage. Uh, number seven is Pocket Imperium. This is one I had some hopes for because I've enjoyed some of the lighter, sort of spacey, 4X-ish style games like uh, Tiny Epic Galaxies, not really a 4X, but it has some of that sort of vibe in the theme anyway. And then uh, Impulse, which I love. Uh, so I was kind of thinking this would be sort of a more static and abstract style of game with that. I would say if you're gonna play this one and give it a try, because you might like it, uh, you should only play it with the full player count of four players. There's no way you should play with two or three players. Uh, even four of those to me is like just a little bit lacking. It just needs a little bit extra, maybe special player powers or something, you know, cliche like that. But it just needs a little bit more to me to make it interesting. Works fine mechanically, but at the end it's just like straight counting. And that's a theme that you'll find with me. If you, if you remove me out of the game, like I talked about Nevermore, and you make me just twiddle my thumbs, that kind of just starts to send it to the bottom of the pile. And if you make me just sit there and count, which is tricky because a lot of games you can really, you know, you can just completely math them out if you really wanted to. But if you just sort of thwart my suspension of disbelief, again, that's super subjective, that's gonna really mark a game down for me. So that was number seven, yep. And number six is Rattle Battle Grab the Loot. Um, this one I was a little bit leery of going into it, but then when I had it kind of explained to me and demoed for me, and I was like, man, this looks really fun. But at the end of the day, it didn't really pan out at all for me. Just uh, random dice fest, which the rule book tells you when you open up the cover, hey, this is a random dice fest, don't take this game too seriously. Which is fine, I don't really mind that, but again, I felt like there was no real choice. It was like roll the dice and then do what they say. I, I don't mind randomness in a game. One of my favorite games is Urban Sprawl, which gets a little bit of a knock, I think, for being random, but I feel like I have that suspension of disbelief in regards to choice throughout the entire game. I don't mind if the winner is decided randomly. I mean, some of my best games of Relic have been really fun and interesting, and then in the end, you kind of comes down to a die roll, and that's the winner, and it's like, okay, well, I had fun for three hours, you know, <laughs> so that's no problem, but this one doesn't pull me in at all, and it feels, the decisions for, like, upgrading your boat they kind of at first seem like they're meaningful, but then once you sort of employ them, you're like, eh, it didn't really mean anything. You know, the treasure was over here, and you throw the dice in this big box cover, and it just, well, okay, nothing I can do this round. So that's my problem with that one. 
So that was number, what's that, number six? Number five is Runebound 3rd Edition. Uh, this is another one that I really expected to like. So now we're in the realm of like, I really thought I would like this game. Uh, and that's Runebound 3rd Edition. And again, it kind of falls on the boredom side of things where the, uh, for me, the, uh, the token combat felt very cumbersome after a while and sort of got in the way of resolution. I think I played this three times. I think I played three times, maybe two. I can't remember. I'm having a fuzzy memory on that. And the last time I played it, it was very sort of like, okay, we can we know what the outcome's gonna be. And so it was kind of got in the way of like, yeah, I'd rather just roll some dice and like <laughs> let it resolve itself because you could just kind of manually work through it. So there's not really like tons of choice when you are uh, going through the tokens is like I'm gonna use this token and this token and then the choices seem like they end up kind of getting in the way of it It's like, okay. Yeah, okay. That's better And it was just kind of just a little bit kind of, you know, sort of picking away at the wall kind of just slow it down With the token combat and then the randomness of sort of the items coming out and the quests that you get and somebody can just really get some quests and things to get the money so they can just spin up and get the items and you know so you can kind of it kind of just kind of forces you down this track certain ways and it, sometimes you can feel not really involved until like the last sort of third of the game it felt like to me which wasn't very fun at all um, so that's basically the gist of it there are some cool interesting things about it i like the movement dice and sort of the that was a kind of a nice thing to learn about the game is when to kind of use the movement dice and how to use them and what point of the game to use them. That was pretty cool. And then sometimes you had other abilities that triggered off of the movement dice and stuff. So that seemed like a really cool area to explore with the game. So this does have some elements and I've talked to a few people and it seems to be pretty split 50 50 on this game from what I've seen online, the folks I've talked to that have played it. Uh, so give this one a little bit of a look. You know, in my opinion, I would say f wait for kind of a discount or just maybe try before you buy on this one. That was Roombound 3rd Edition. Now we're at number four. And uh, this one like hurts to say because it's epic. And I love Star Realms. Star Realms is one of my favorite games of all time. And I'm really looking forward to trying a new expansion, which I haven't tried. Uh, but Epic really felt flat for me. And i that's probably the one that I've gotten the most flack for, except for the number one <laughs> of the stuff that I've mentioned. Well, maybe not. The, these top four, I'm just gonna get flack for. I'm just gonna, that's fine. But this one, especially, I got some flack for. And I think the thing for me is, and I, I don't think I was super clear on this in my initial sort of negative review. There was a lot of other points I made that I, for me are valid. But this one is like, there was no ramp up. And that's something that you will see a lot in a magic or versus or ashes and all that kind of thing where you have sort of a ramp up of power, you have sort of a curve in the game of sort of, you get out like little weenie guys or sort of set up, maybe some combos later on down the turns. And this is just randomly like drawing a hand of cards. They're all really good. Some of them cost you one coin or one mana and then you play it. And then boom, you just play, play, play. Boom, I destroy all your stuff. Oh, you destroy all my stuff back. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And there's not really any setup that you can do. Uh, you know, over the course of a long-term game. Most of the games seem to take less than 10 minutes for me. And, you know, then you, you kind of push that into the deck building and the drafting aspect of it. 
and that's really what I was hoping to get a lot out of is like, you know, there would be some interesting interactions and, you know, drafting and deck building would seem important, but they kind of are sort of set to the side. And I found the best way to play was grab some of the standard uh, suggested decks where you kind of mix two factions or just play randomly and just kind of see what kind of interesting interactions might happen. And that was, to me, a kind of a letdown from what I had expected going into it, where you would have some kind of game that you could have sort of like an LCG in the box kind of thing, where you had what was, seemed to be more focused on drafting. And that really didn't seem to be the case for me, and the gameplay itself didn't really sustain any kind of effort you might put into it outside of actual the head-to-head combat. So that's epic. Uh, number three is Time Stories. And this is a level of disappointment, again, is the higher part, not the, not like the weakest game. Because I don't think that this is the weakest game out of any of these by any means. But to me, it was kind of a letdown because at the end of the day, and I'm going to be super glib because I went over a lot of detail in my original review about it, is I would rather play a choose-your-own-adventure book than this game because of the whole repeating time thing. That's irritating to me. Uh, Whereas a choose-your-own-adventure book, you can sort of stick your thumb in or your finger in and then go back to that and then replay it. And so that's not how I like to play those, but that's what this game kind of felt like is once you went and did the redo of the scenario well now you're like okay well we did these three rooms so boom 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 let's kind of go through the motions and catch up back to where we were sticking your finger in the book basically and going back to where you went now the choose your own adventure thing is more interesting to me because once you replay it a good choose your own adventure book you're going to have a lot a lot of various sort of pathways that you can go to. Now I can think of the Steve Jackson, not Steve Jackson games in Texas, but Steve Jackson uh, from the UK. Their sorcery books were amazing. And I played them again on the iPad and those are great. So as you sort of progress to that series anyway, and get into like the second and third books, there's a lot of different sort of maneuvering paths that you can go through of the Lone Wolf series and stuff like that. Somebody really should come back with those games and really, in my opinion, make them very hardcore and you know epic and big and long and lots of different pathways and not just like one ending kind of thing. And that would be really cool. Anyway, sidetrack from that. Time Stories feels like it's a it's a sort of a multiplayer choose your own adventure game where you know at the end of the game it's like okay there's the one there's a really only one ending and I didn't finish the second case the Marcy case only the uh, the base case but you know there should be more than one ending I think well okay in the base case there's more than one ending but you still kind of end in the same exact spot okay well I don't want to spoil anything, but there's not like you can go and you can end over here instead of here, really. It's just kind of, how do we resolve the last thing? And then that's it. So to me, that is because of that, and that's this is one example of it, is it's not a game. It's just sort of a playthrough adventure type of thing where it's like an RPG, but an RPG is a thousand times better because it's just driven by the players. And, you know, even if you do like a dungeon crawl type of game, um, you know, like, I don't know, uh, Shadows of Brimstone or whatever, you know, any kind of game like that where it's a co-op dungeon crawl or Space Cadets Away Missions is another going. The story is going to all be in there and you're going to be at the same time playing a game and interacting with your friends. So to me, that this the system, like it's cool. It's neat that they did it, but... I just don't really have a desire to play a choose your own adventure game book with folks, you know. To me, I don't know, I just want to process everything and play it. 
or just plain RPG or something. Okay, so there's other details in the review. Um, number two is Matainai, and this is uh, from Asmati Games, and this is sort of a lighter, quicker Glory to Rome, which I found out I didn't like. And I think the problem with me is I, I wanted to like this. I wanted to have a, another Glory to Rome that I can introduce to people and play, and you know, play a little bit quicker. But I found I did not like sort of that initial just out the gate, you can be pretty ready to end the game and play it super quick. And it just removed a lot of the interesting parts of Glory to Rome for me in terms of, and I think a lot of it has to do sort of building up that ramp, like I talked about with Epic, into getting after those combos and getting to some of those end game conditions, where it felt like these, you just kind of sometimes will just land in your lap, which can kind of happen in Glory to Rome too, but it was just too quick. I didn't feel like there was enough setup time. I didn't feel like like every game felt like, like abbreviated, but I think that's what they set out to do as well. That's what they wanted to do. They wanted to have like a half hour glory to Rome, or if you're playing with two players, you could have a 10 minute glory to Rome with this. Um, but I just didn't like it. So I think this is one probably, um, in my opinion, out of all of these 10 that I'm talking about that you should go and look at and at least try, because I think the game is designed to do what it's supposed to do. I just don't like it. Um, so there's no, the game's not really necessarily broken. It's just a little too quick, I think, for this style of game for me. Uh, finally, the number one is a Churchill from GMT Games. And this is probably the biggest disappointment because I had the biggest expectations going into it. Very interesting system, a three-player only game. And, you know, it's Stalin and Churchill and uh, Roosevelt slash Truman sort of driving this summit where they are sort of a little bit abstractly and a little bit sort of puppeteerish uh, controlling World War II. And I think I talked a good amount about it in uh, my original sort of blacklist review. And to me, it just kind of comes down to, it felt very sort of plotting and superficial in a lot of ways in terms of the implementation of the war. And the idea of the game is that you sort of go into the war, participate, don't let the Axis win, but then also come out on top at the end of the war so your power is in the best position. You know, you have the most victory points in this case. And so I I didn't like that at all. And the, the sort of the deployments of troops and the battles and the production issues, that just felt super dry and super not thematic and not interesting and sort of kind of obvious in a lot of ways because you're trying not to like rush ahead and get so many points. You're trying to just kind of hang back and bring everybody else with you. And so it just felt like there were so many like just handcuffs on the game. That's not something I really could get into. Uh, so I don't want to talk belabor it anymore. I kind of beat up on it already. Uh, I don't think I beat up on it, but I did talk about why I didn't like it a lot in the review. And actually this is probably the one I got the most flack for from people. Uh, but a certain friend of mine, well-known war game reviewer, also didn't like it. So I felt a little bit vindicated there. But anyway, so that is my uh, top 10 most disappointing games. Again, not worst games, not bad games necessarily. Um, but definitely look forward. I'm going to post all these videos at the same time. Like I said, best of games. I'll be giving away my favorite game of the year. And then a couple other cool kind of fun videos this week. So thanks. Thanks.